Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at waytogrow.net. Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, blockchain, FDA compliance, and litigation. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com. From Colorado Public Radio and PRX, this is On Something. I hope you can understand a Cajun on, uh, from Louisiana on the on, on <laughs> you talking to. I do, I can understand you just fine. <laughs> okay, good. Besides being a Louisiana native, Fred Mills is many things. I'm a member of the Republican Party. I represent Southwest Louisiana, uh, really in uh, kind of Cajun territory. I'm a pharmacist. Bank president of a, a rural community bank in uh, in Brobridge, Louisiana. So a lawmaker, a pharmacist, and a banker. Yeah, I kind of use a joke all the time. I'm in drugs and money. In 1997, Fred was appointed executive director of the Louisiana Board of Pharmacy. And he started getting calls from people asking how they could get their hands on medical marijuana. These calls were coming from folks with epilepsy, Parkinson's, glaucoma. They were just like, you know, I've tried everything and where can I get it? But medical marijuana wasn't legal in Louisiana. Or was it? Fred did a bit of research and found, to his surprise, that in 1978, the state actually had legalized. Even more surprising, it was the first state in the country to do it. So... Medical marijuana was legal, but it just wasn't that simple. It's just legal on paper. And I would keep getting calls and a, a lot of frustrated folks. I said, I think there's a gap in the law. And he, Fred Mills, a conservative Republican lawmaker, decided that he would be the man to fill that gap. This is On Something, stories about life after legalization. I'm Anne-Marie Awad. We're doing something a little different today. Today is the beginning of our mini-series called Medicine versus Marijuana. This is the first in a three-part look at the ways that legal weed can interact with our healthcare system. And our first story starts with a pharmacist. In fact, before anyone in Louisiana knew Fred Mills as a state senator, a lot of people knew him from these commercials for his business. Cashway Pharmacy. Fred Mills here, Cashway Pharmacy and Parks. Cut the telephone. Cashway Pharmacy, can he help you? See, Fred, say, Tonk Pills. I got crabs, my baby. So at this point, the ad goes split screen. And on one side is Fred on the phone, all buttoned up in his white coat. And on the other side is Fred on the phone in drag as Taunt Pills, this raunchy old Cajun lady character that he created. And in this particular commercial, which is my favorite of them all, she's got the phone in one hand and she's clumsily eating seafood with the other. Oh, Tom I'm so sorry to hear that you've acquired crap. Yeah, I caught them last night and they're fresh, fresh. 
We may have to notify the health clinic. May bring the health clinic. I caught enough crabs for everybody. So I guess the banker in me is conservative. The pharmacist in me is liberal. And the pharmacist in him is well known, at least in his area. I mean, his phone number is in all of these commercials, and he made a ton of these commercials. And when he started getting calls in 1997 from sick people looking for medical marijuana, they just kept coming. They followed him all the way to his state Senate seat, which he won more than 14 years later in 2011. But this time, he finally felt like he was in a position to do something about it. I was probably naive to the standpoint that I thought people would be very sympathetic about, well, if a person has cancer and this is something that person wants, that I felt kind of being a pharmacist that, you know, people would respect that patient's decision and that doctor's decision. But I I, I had a lot to learn. The first nut to crack was, what happened? If medical marijuana was made legal in 1978, where was the weed at? There's no way to buy it, to recommend it, to quality control. I said, there's just not a market. I am considered the oldest living author of marijuana in the United States. This is Tony Guarisco. Legalizing was his idea in the first place, way back in 1978. I am now referred to as the OG. The OG. So I asked my kids, what is that, Dad? Uh, what was that? They said, Dad, that's the original gangster. It's rap for the pioneer. I said, okay. So my son uh, got a T-shirt made for me that says OG on it. Back in the 70s, Tony was a scrappy young state senator from just outside New Orleans who had only just been elected to his first term, a liberal lawmaker in a very conservative state. I remember one time I had lost so many times on different issues that um, people would say, Tony, I think you're right, but you're ahead of your time. That is a fact. The state often hailed as the first to legalize medical marijuana, even on this podcast, is California. But really, Tony and Louisiana beat them by 15 years. And a bit more historical perspective. Tony was thinking of this less than a decade after marijuana became a Schedule I substance at the federal level, just in case you were thinking that weed was any less illegal. In spite of that, Tony says he got the idea from reading articles about the potential for cannabis as a medicine for cancer patients, even way back then. I read a lot and I begin to see that uh, there may be something with cannabis that would help people to relieve pain and suffering. I had no expertise in this field at all. And I saw something that might be possible outside of um, pharmaceuticals that might help people. But once I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it. I wasn't going to be dissuaded. And he wasn't just reading about it either. He knew someone who was using marijuana as a last resort. A woman who had a young son, I think 12, 14 years old, he had cancer and he was taking chemotherapy. She was desperate. She was giving marijuana to her son, and it was the only thing that would give him relief from the side effects. 
she said there were horrific dry heaves and always sick from the chemotherapy, but the marijuana worked. She said she got it from a policeman friend who took it from the property room. So she was breaking several laws. Tony introduced two bills related to marijuana. One would have decriminalized possession of a half pound or less. You'd get just a summons and no jail time for carrying around what could be a pretty generous amount of weed. The second bill would legalize medical marijuana for people with certain illnesses. I thought I had a real hard chance. Lots of states were decriminalizing in the 70s in response to the federal government cracking down on weed at the start of the decade. In spite of that trend, Tony's decriminalization bill failed. But the medical marijuana bill passed. I had some conservative close friends in the legislature that supported it. He said, you know, it's just, it's just the right thing to do here. Louisiana's governor at the time was a Democrat named Edwin Edwards. And when Tony's bill showed up on his desk... And I asked him to sign it, and he did that. I think he was kind of bemused by it. No one was more surprised that the bill became law than Tony himself. He even got a little reputation among his constituents. When I would see people in my hometown or in my district, they were very uh, cordial and friendly to me, but they liked to make jokes about it. You better watch it, man. You know, uh, you might be doing too much of that dope. (laughs) But a rare legislative victory for Tony didn't really change anything for the people of Louisiana. That's how the Schoolhouse Rock song goes, right? <laughs> yes, now I'm right. a law and a commission's going to be formed and a bunch of meetings are going to be had. And <laughs> well, you pass the bill, you pass the law, and it'll be implemented. People will take it up and they'll follow through. Yeah. But that didn't happen. In fact, nothing happened. Essentially, it was up to Governor Edwards to implement the new law. It was right there on the piece of paper he had signed. The next step was for the head of the Department of Health and Hospitals to appoint the Marijuana Prescription Review Board, five people all required to be physicians or pharmacists. They would oversee the creation of a medical marijuana program in Louisiana. Except there's no evidence to suggest that anyone did any of this. No order from the governor. No proof that anyone even had a meeting about this after it was passed. And at the time, no one really noticed. Not even Tony. I thought they'd go right along and, and do what they needed to do. There was a board that was to be filled. It didn't get filled. So that's kind of, it just lay uh, in fallow ground for a long time. But the law is on the books. Anyone can find it. If nothing else, it's a record that someone tried to make it happen. So you said your Senate staff had tried to look into, you know, what happened with this law after yes. it was signed. Yes. And what they find? They couldn't figure it out because some records have never been archived. And, you know, we have just a better archiving system right now where Mm -hmm. we can, you know, all of our testimonies on tape and you can see it off the Internet. Um, They really could not figure it out. So decades and decades later, Fred Mills decided to just start from scratch. In 2014, he introduced his own medical marijuana bill. My whole aspect was that I would break it down into three components take Tony's legislation and put some, some meat on the bones. Fred needed people to testify in favor of this bill in the state house. I received a call from 
And I, I named the legislation after her. A, a, a lady by the name of Allison Newstrom called me up. And she called me up and said, Fred, I, I'd really like you to consider this legislation. She said, I, I have a debilitating disease, and I'm not going to live to probably see it, but this makes absolutely no sense that people can't get this product or this, this drug or this medication. Fred also reached out to the OG, Tony Garisco. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee. I um, once sat where you guys sat, not in this committee. Uh, I just want to let you know I did just drop off a turnip truck about something. So how did it feel to be back in that building after so long? It felt very strange. And I remember I testified uh, alongside of a beautiful young woman who worked for the state, who um, her name was Allison, and the, the present law is named after her. And she had, I think, correctable cancer, stage four. And at the time when I was diagnosed, the doctors were very frank and said, plan your life in months, not years. This is how aggressive this is. And while there are medications that are available for nausea and for pain, many of them are very strong, uh, which make it hard to be awake and engaged when I want to be, like when my two-year-old daughter is home from daycare. And so I'm here to ask you to please consider this option. I believe patients and doctors in Louisiana should have this option, as patients in other states do as well. Fred also got the support of Allison's dad, a well-known sheriff who helped him make the case to law enforcement. But even with all of that, the bill failed. I got calls from folks that really, really needed the medication. And I would say most of them are violating the law in one way or another. And they said, don't give up. Fred went back to the drawing board and rebuilt the bill to make it a bit more conservative and to offer more concessions to law enforcement. I made a promise to law enforcement that I was not looking to do crazy things. I was just looking to make sure people had this product and this medication in the right form and fashion. What are, hold on. What are crazy things? Like, what do they define as crazy things? Well, they saw this as creeping. They saw this as, you know, me being a pharmacist. That on day one after we passed this, recreational was going to be available. And, oh, like you know, a gateway drug. It was, it was yeah. They, <laughs> they, they saw this, as, and they used the terminology creeping, that this was going to be just you opening the door and this is what this is. And it, it took me a while to tell people, that's not my intent. That mm. is not my intent. Fred was down, but he wasn't out. We'll be back after a short break. Hey, it's Anne. I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Listeners like you make On Something possible. Hundreds of thousands of people have listened to our podcast since it launched back in 2019. You've been there with us while we've explored everything from CBD to cooking with cannabis to social equity across the entire industry. It is really humbling and I am so grateful the reporting, the stories told, and the issues explored, you made all of that possible. And if you feel like helping our show, head to onsomething.org and contribute if you can. Once again, thank you so much. The following year, in 2015, Fred stepped back up to the plate once more with a new bill. This one made it a lot farther, 
all the way to the Senate floor for a vote. And on that day, when the vote was to take place, Fred says something happened in that crowded chamber. I would never forget it. When I was doing my closing, one of the young participants in the, in the audience had a major seizure at that time. A major seizure. You could hear the wheelchair kind of bouncing up and down. And I can remember saying, this legislation's for this person. It's not for you. It's not for anybody else. It's for this person here. Why would you deny this person this opportunity to have this drug? And who are you to make that determination? And I think that kind of got me over the top, I think. That was, that was something I'll never forget. The bill passed, the governor signed, and for the second time in history, the state of Louisiana had made medical marijuana legal. The following year, another wave of states legalized recreational weed. Nevada, California, Maine, and Massachusetts. Marijuana legalization in these states got more votes than Donald Trump did. All of those states have had their own delays in rolling out legal weed. And medical marijuana didn't just instantly appear in Louisiana either. And for Fred, that has meant that the phone has kept ringing. I can't tell you how many calls I received from folks, and I would just tell them, look, it's, I, I, I apologize to you, but we got to get it right the first time. Right. If, if that first delivery of product has contamination in it or people get sick, it's over. Mm-hmm. We've got to hit a home run the first time we get out the gates. It took three whole years to set up a functioning medical marijuana program in Louisiana. Remember, this was meant to be a pretty conservative approach for a pretty conservative state. It would take all the way until summer of 2019, when the first medical marijuana patient in the state triumphantly walked out of Willow Pharmacy in Madisonville, Louisiana, holding the first legally obtained dose of marijuana in the state's history. First in line was 80-year-old former state senator Tony Garisco. Back in 1978, he wrote the first law for therapeutic use of marijuana. He was a young man then in his 30s. The OG. Here, generations have suffered and not gotten medicine because of the recalcitrance of, of people in power who never implemented the law that I passed. After that, Tony went on to take out his dropper of cannabis oil, he uses it for his glaucoma, and take a couple drops in his mouth for the TV cameras. They had patients who were waiting who would come after me. Mm-hmm. They were waiting there to get their turn. They had a young veteran uh, who had been in the Gulf War, and he was suffering from PS. what do you call it? PTSD. Uh, the, uh, yes. And after I did my dose and all that kind of stuff, he said, hey, man, can I take a picture with you? I said, of course. So I stood next to this man, side by side, and he, they're getting ready to take a picture, and he turns his head toward the side of mine, and he kisses me on the side of the head and says, thank you, man. Wow. And that's the picture I got. That was worth the trip. How did that feel? I mean, this, this whole experience must have been so surreal for you. It was surreal and it was wonderful. Victory at last. Yeah, you're getting a little famous. 
changed, right? I mean, something had to have changed between 1978, when Tony passed one law, and 2015, when Fred passed another. The Pew Research Center has been tracking public opinion on legalization since 1969, around the time that Tony introduced his bill in 1978, less than a third of Americans supported legalizing marijuana. As of last year, two-thirds of Americans think it should be legal. What happened in that time? Well, going into the 80s, the federal government really cracked down. Halfway through the 90s, California legalized medical marijuana in response to the HIV epidemic. In the early 2000s, more states started to pick up steam, and then going into the next decade, the Obama administration shields legal states from federal drug enforcement. Meanwhile, legal weed starts to become a big, lucrative business. So, who are the holdouts? Who are that last third that still don't agree with legalization? Fred has one theory. I find some of it was generational driven because I had some really staunch Democrats that voted no. And their aspect was, I will never vote for a marijuana bill, no matter what. Right. But then when the bill made it to the House side and the House of Representatives right now and at that time is, is much younger, a much younger crowd. Really? They really did not have a big problem with it. I mean, it passed pretty well there. And every time legislation for marijuana is there, it's like... It's not that big a deal to us. Now, some of them, yes. Yeah. But I, I don't, it's a much easier uh, part of the house to, uh, to debate it. That's because, Fred says, he feels like they're more likely to see the potential. Now that it's legal, Louisiana lawmakers can continue to refine and tweak the program to really get it right. And Tony, for his part, is happy that it's finally happening in his lifetime. When people hear this story, what do you want them to take away from all of this about how politics and government in Louisiana work? I am really uh, proud that I can say that this little state did this. And for a long time, they would say other people did it, but they didn't. We did. And uh, I was very happy to have been um, a big part of that. And it's good to be the OG. <laughs> So if anybody ever asks you, say, I know the real guy. Are you just sick of re reporters like me calling you up to talk about weed? I love it. <laughs> okay, that's good to hear. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> On Something is a labor of love reported and written by me, Anne-Marie Awad. On Something is a production of Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio. This show was produced by Mark Pagan, Tasha Watts, and Rebecca Robert. Our editor is Curtis Fox. Music by Brad Turner and Daniel Mesher. Our executive producers are Kevin Dale and Brad Turner. On Something is made possible by lots of talented people like Francie Swidler, Kim Wynn, Dave Burdick, Allison Borden, Matt Herz, Kendall Smith, and Jody Gersh. And our illustrator is Iris Gottlieb. See more of their art on Instagram at Iris Gottlieb. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This podcast is also made possible by Colorado Public Radio members. 
learn about supporting Colorado Public Radio at CPR.org. Support for On Something comes from Way to Grow, providing growers and gardeners with knowledge and tools for hydroponic and organic urban gardening since 2003. With locations in Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, learn more at waytogrow.net. Support for On Something comes from the Rodman Law Group, a Denver-based law firm with a global reach. The Rodman Law Group specializes in cannabis, hemp, blockchain, FDA compliance, and litigation. Learn more at therodmanlawgroup.com.